You're listening to a podcast series from Vietcetera Production. Vietnam is forecasted to be one of the fastest growing economies in Southeast Asia and the world. To understand the dynamics behind Vietnam's miracle growth, Vietcetera meets with business leaders every week to discuss the country's future growth prospects. We also learn about how they build and manage teams and why they think innovation will be key to Vietnam's role in the world order. Hi guys, chill with the album Nu Nu Lam Thiên Nhiên Ơi by Tulivo, Miang and Nescafe on music streaming platforms. Just recently, Vietnam was named as the highest healthcare spender in Southeast Asia. In 2019 alone, Vietnam's healthcare expenditure reached approximately 17 billion US dollars, equivalent to 6.6% of the country's GDP. However, this figure remains significantly lower than the global average. This is why pharmaceutical-focused companies like Tuxi are striving to expand the BDM marketplace for easier and faster access to health and personal care needs. The online marketplace, which was launched in 2018, connects pharmacies, clinics, and hospitals to enable local drugstore owners to source and procure their drug and medical supplies. It also provides real-time updates, like product recalls, to keep the healthcare industry's pledge of transparency and efficiency. In this new episode of Vietnam Innovators, we invited Peter Nguyen, the Chief Executive Officer of Tuxi, to give us a clearer overview of how the healthcare industry in Vietnam has grown over the years, how it's been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as his expert insights on what the local industry needs to do to reach global standard. What's up, guys? It's your host, Hao, the CEO of Vietcetera. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Vietnam Innovators. You might be noticing that I'm wearing a different shirt, not my classic black t-shirt. So, Peter, uh, you're very lucky to be seeing me in a sh- not a shirt that's my black t-shirt, as usual. Um, also, it's a new set. So you can see that I'm in a new house I am moving around quite a bit this summer, so um, bear with me, uh, but hopefully you enjoy this new set while I'm here um, and back to Vietnam very soon. So before we begin, guys, we would just want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Nescafe for sponsoring this episode. Check out their new album with natural sounds coming from Nescafe Farm on music streaming platforms, but also our friends at ELSA, which stands for English Language Speech Assistant. For those of you that don't know, it's started in Vietnam. It's downloadable on the Google Play Store and the Apple iOS Store to help learn English. Check it out. Thank you to our sponsors again today. Um, Moving to today's episode. So uh, we've got a great guest here today. He is the CEO, I believe, and co-founder of uh, Tuxi, uh, or otherwise known as BiMed. It's a startup that's making waves in the pharmaceutical health techs uh, kind of scene in Vietnam. Uh, I'm sure they have much more plans than just what I described, of course. Um, Peter, thank you for joining the show today. Uh, I'd love for you to kind of share uh, what you're doing at Biomed just as a brief, you know, you know, 20, 30 second introduction to our audience today. Sure. Thanks a lot, Hal. Um, Biomed and Tuxi, what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, build a healthcare ecosystem that nobody has dared to build. Um, and that mission means a lot to us and our team. Um, and what that mission means is that healthcare is tremendously big. It impacts everybody's lives and it impacts many aspects of people's lives. And a lot of people don't realize it. But in Vietnam and a lot of emerging countries, the healthcare ecosystem is a really underdeveloped. For example, 
a pharmacy in America, if you go into the pharmacy and you get a prescription medicine, it, the pharmacist is connected to the health insurance program, it's connected to health medical records, it's connected to the government um, health system. In Vietnam, the pharmacies are not even connected by paper. There's no way for the pharmacist to access insurance programs or the Vietnam social security system. So we want to change all that. We want to digitize a lot of these healthcare practices, bring them online, and most importantly, get them connected to each other so that they can start offering more and better and more pointed care to the, uh, the, the um, patients. Got it. Uh, Peter, so that's quite a task uh, for those of us that have experienced the healthcare system in Vietnam. It could be wonders and sometimes it could be a bit disorganized that might be a bit of a uh understatement i guess you could say so the opportunity is large it's a country of 100 million people um you know going pursuant to that mission why we've invited you onto the show today is because you've had some recent news for biomed and tuxi um it seems you guys have raised a series b venture financing uh it's in the high millions of dollars maybe you can share more about the recent news and why you've raised funds, especially in this kind of current environment um, to accelerate growth for, for the company? Sure, uh, we recently raised the Series A. Um, the, the Series A is roughly 9 million US dollars and we're happy to bring on a couple of new investors, um, primarily our, our lead investor, which is Smilegate from Korea. Um, Smilegate is a great fund and, and they really strongly believed in our mission and finding investors that really believed in the mission and what we're building uh, was very important to us. Uh, so we're very happy to have Smilegate uh, joining our cap table, joining our board, um, and participating in our mission of trying to build a healthcare ecosystem that nobody has dared to build. Um, one of the primary reasons that we raised funds was because of COVID. Um, COVID impacted the healthcare ecosystem in Vietnam in, in many ways that many people do not realize. Uh, a lot of the pharmacists and even a lot of hospitals still rely on traditional wholesale markets to get their medicine. Um, these are markets that are outdoor, they're no air conditioning, um, you go in there and it doesn't operate very compliantly. Um, and these wholesale markets had COVID cases in them and they shut down completely. So overnight you had thousands of pharmacists and healthcare practices all over the country which had no source of medicine. And as an essential business in these COVID times, that was a big deal. And Tuxi was remaining as one of the only suppliers that could supply to a lot of these pharmacists. And as a result of that, uh, we needed more funding in order to keep up with the demand that we were getting. What, what kind of um, drugs are and, and you know, treatments are in demand for at the moment that you guys are are distributing out there. Like, is it is it like the like the bare essentials? Everything from, uh, I mean, I don't even know what people are buying these days. But what 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 are people seeking? It's it's just everything. One of our core philosophies when we first started was that we weren't going to be biased towards any um, brand or any manufacturers. Um, and so that's one of the challenges that you get as a practitioner is that you get a lot of sales representatives coming in and they're very biased, obviously, at the brands they represent. When the pharmacists and the doctors, for the most part, they know what they need and what they need is reflective of what the market needs. 
Um, and so we were very unbiased and that's one of our core philosophies. So we supply everything that you can imagine. We have over 10,000 SKUs. Um, and so if you want to ask us what we supply, you just ask yourself, what do you see in a pharmacist? So anything that you see in a pharmacist, that's what we supply. Got it. And I'm, I'm assuming you guys have quite a few relationships with these pharmaceutical companies that are producing these drugs. Maybe you can walk through what that full relationship cycle is. So it seems like you guys are this marketplace that distributes to these pharmacies, to these um, kind of end point of sale, uh, I guess you could say, uh, consumer facing businesses and you guys work with the manufacturers. How does that whole full cycle work? Maybe you can share more about that. Yeah, so so we do work with manufacturers, but uh, when we first started off being a very small, um, we sort of brute forced our way into the suppliers. We, we worked with their distributors and at that point, as long as you had cash, you can work with them. As long as you had demand, as long as you had an order ready to be placed, um, the distributors are more than willing to work with you. Um, and so we went to the distributors first and we worked with them. And then as we grew and as we became more relevant within the industry, that gave us a lot more leverage to go directly to the manufacturers and work directly with them. So at this point, they're probably, we're working with almost every brand within Vietnam that's available in Vietnam. Uh, more or less directly with the manufacturer or the brand principal. Um, now, in some cases, they will say they would work with us at the brand principal level, and then whatever deal we have, they would bring it down to the distributor and tell the distributors to work with us. But for the most part, we're working with the brand principals and um, with, for almost every brand in Vietnam. So, just so I understand this correctly, too, you mentioned the whole wholesale markets, these offline markets that were outdoor. Uh, not very compliant. So I guess almost mom and pop kind of wholesalers uh, think like Japan as an example, right? I'm sure there's other examples, but think of that just to illustrate the image. And you guys are essentially uh, putting a replacement stack on that and, or complementary, I guess you could say, uh, as being a digital one. Is that right? Yeah, I would say we're, we're being more complementary. Um, I, I think for the most part and from my experience, a lot of the players in the healthcare industry, they actually want to do good for society. And they just need a mechanism to do that. Um, and the existing mechanism that's been in place for the last 30 years has been these wholesale markets. Um, and our approach to this is that we're coming in and we're offering an alternative to these wholesalers. And we're saying that, look, there's a much more modern way to operate. Um, and that more modern way is through e-commerce and through smart logistics and smart fulfillment. And we've got this platform built out for you. Now, if you want to subsidize your sales and subsidize your business with this more modern approach and future-proof your, um, your, your future, then please come on our platform. Now, if you make the decision not to future-proof your business, then that you need to accept the risk if the market moves away from you. But um, that's our approach. We're providing this platform to brand principals, distributors, uh, wholesalers, all alike, as long as you're licensed, as long as you're, you're doing business properly, uh, please come on board. And if you don't, then, then that's fine. Um, uh, and, and we wish you the best of luck, uh, not future-proofing your business. How do, how do the end businesses that end up buying your, through your marketplace, um, how do you convince them? I imagine these are very old school, 
kind of buyers. Uh, they're very, you know, non-future proof, I guess you could say. How, how do you guys reach out to these folks? Is it digital marketing? I assume not because they're not very digital. Do you have a sales team? Is it word of mouth? How does that distribution network look like for you guys to get to that end customer? Yeah, when, when we first started off, our, our approach was to hire people who have experience in these wholesale markets. And when you hire, and, and the traditional markets, they're very relationship-based. Um, so a, a whole, somebody working at the wholesale um, market knew you know, everybody at the wholesale market and they had relationships where they can place orders very quickly. Um, so we started off hiring these people and they represented us uh, and they built relationships for us there through the wholesale market. Um, I mentioned earlier that you know, these wholesale markets, cash is king. If you have an order uh, ready to be placed, um, they're happy to accept the order. Now, if a stranger comes in with an order, they might be a little bit scared um, because of the way they operate. But if somebody with an existing relationship uh, comes in, places an order, they're more than happy to uh, fulfill that order. So that, that was our strategy, you know, find existing people who, want, who believed in our mission, wanted to join our team, but also had prior existing uh, knowledge and relationship of how these markets work. So it seems like there was a point where you had very small customers and very large customers. What What's the average kind of customer for you guys look like? Like uh, the majority, of, like what are they, who are they? What are they, like how many, what's their volume done on the marketplace? Um, right now we're primarily focusing on a small mom and pop independent pharmacies. Um, these are a very small um, probably, you know, like a uh, five meter by 10 meter um, uh, shops. Uh, and we're focusing and they've only got one, maximum two employees um, that operate. And usually these employees are also the proprietor. Um, so they're very small, they're cash. Um, they don't have any digitization at all. Um, they don't even take um, a sales receipt when, when you come in and buy. Um, so those are the type of practices that we're trying to target right now. For those of you obviously that live in Vietnam and most of you probably do, uh, these are the kind of shops that you just go through the alleyways and the main streets of Saigon, Hanoi, any city really. So your buyers are all over the country, not just in the urban areas. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the one unique thing about um, Vietnam uh, and their healthcare ecosystem uh, is that uh, every neighborhood has uh, at least one pharmacy. Most neighborhoods have like two or three pharmacists. Um, and the, the second unique thing about Vietnam healthcare system is that the pharmacies are often used as the primary point of care. Um, in say United States or a lot of other countries, you go into the doctor first, you get your diagnosis, you get your prescription, then you go and you get your medicine. Um, in Vietnam, you just go straight to the pharmacist. And, and to be honest, even prescription medicine, you just go straight to the pharmacist, you talk to them, you give them your ailments, and the, uh, the pharmacist will prescribe you directly. The third thing that's unique about Vietnam is that over-the-counter medicine is not available over-the-counter at a lot of supermarkets. Um, the Vietnamese government uh, is uh, trying to keep all medicine at the pharmacist. Um, so you cannot buy cold medicine at a 7-Eleven. You need to go to a pharmacist. 
Um, and so that creates a lot more traffic, a lot more business for these independent pharmacies. And that's why there's so many pharmacists compared to a lot of other countries. Thank you for slowing down, sitting here, and cherishing your mind with Nescafe. Let's drip a tasty cup of coffee and listen to the music album Nung Nulam Kinyanoi from Tuliver Miang and the sounds from Nescafe Farm. Click on the link in the description to chill now. So it seems like it's a more a worthwhile business to do independently because they don't have competition with convenience stores or supermarkets. Is that right? Um, it's uh, market-wise, it's a lot more. Um, it's a lot more incentivized to open up a pharmacist, but as a practitioner, it's it's not. Um, the main struggle for a pharmacist is that they go to pharmacy school, they learn about medicine, but when they open up a pharmacist, now it's about business. Um, and uh, there's two challenges for a pharmacist. One is that they're under-trained by the time they're graduating, um, so they, they, they don't have the sufficient level of being a pharmacist. And the idea is that they're supposed to go sort of have a residency at an existing pharmacy for two or three years, but usually the head pharmacist is just too busy to actually train them. So there's some level of self-education, but there's no really, um, really good self-education material out there. So by the time they finish their residency and they're ready to open up their own, um, open up their own practice, they're not sufficiently trained. Um, and then the second thing is now they have to deal with business. And one of their main things that they're having trouble with is how do they make a decent profit? Um, the way they end up doing it is that for, for the traditional medicine that you would buy, like painkillers, they don't actually make any money but they will automatically tack on a lot of higher gross margin products like supplements, vitamins, and things like that. So when you go in, you want some painkillers and they'll give you this drug cocktail mixed in with it is a bunch of supplements that you didn't really ask for, but you'll take it anyway because it's your pharmacist. And so that's the way they figured out how to make a profit. And that's what we're trying to change. We're trying to say, look, any medicine that you sell as a pharmacist, you deserve a decent profit for that. You don't need to bundle medicine together. Um, just sell what you need to sell and you'll make a decent profit. And that's what we're trying to do at Tuxi and Biomed. Wow. So it seems like the current system encourages overbuying of drugs unnecessarily, drugs or any sort of supplements and whatever, because there's way too many middlemen, perhaps, that before it gets to the pharmacist, uh, you know, they have to tack on these extra fees and products. But at the same time, the pharmacists are in this a never-ending struggle to make profit that they're incentivized to over-prescribe. And because that's how the landscape is. Like people don't go to doctors to get drugs. They go to the pharmacy, which inherently is incentivized to sell more. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's that's a little bit correct. I, I would make the edit that there's, um, I mean, depending on the brand, there there may be quite a lot of middlemen, but even when there is no middlemen, um, there is an incentive for the brand principles to not offer uh, enough gross margins to the practitioners, especially for the brands that are very well known within the market. Um, if, if the brand is demand driven, if a patient comes in and says, I want this very specific brand, usually in that case, the pharmacist will not make any money at all. Um, they, they might make 
at maximum for those type of brands, 5%, which is, which is nothing. Um, and so that's when you have this system where the pharmacist is trying to add on a lot of supplements and other um, vitamins that the patient doesn't ask for. What, what's the typical turnover of, of these mom and pop pharmacy? Like, is it like a normal living? Are they making a lot of money by, by you know, any normal standards? What is, what is the living of a pharmacist look like at a mom and pop? I would say the average turnover is roughly around 4,000, 5,000 USD per month. But again, it's not about turnover, it's about profit. You can turn over um, 100,000 per month, but if you make no profit off that, then you have no living. Right, four or 5,000, okay. So, um, and there are thousands of these. What What do you think about the the kind of chain versus mom and pop pharmacy landscape. And I'm sure there's some players that are mixed into that as well. You know, you see the growth of PharmaCity, for example, they were at one point opening one store per day or something like this. They had like a thousand stores by the end of, maybe it was this or next year, I can't remember now. And they've obviously received quite a bit of investment from the likes of Mekong Capital. How do you see uh, the commercialization of pharmacies going in the next few years where you have these chain groups who are ubiquitous and in some cases much nicer and and for better or for worse i'm not sure you know they're well designed they're much perhaps like just even cleaner you know they just look more aesthetically nice than your typical mom and pop shop uh, what does that landscape look like between those two groups sure um you know my opinion is that modernization will happen period People want safer medicine. They want to buy medicine from nicer establishments that portray trust a lot more. And so modernization will happen, period. The big question is whether or not modernization requires a chain brand like PharmaCity. Um, And our belief is that realistically it doesn't as long as a mom and pop independent pharmacy looks nice trustworthy um and has quality medicine then it's as equivalent as a former city and so um that's our belief coming into this um but overall our our mission um does not negate the existence of pharmacy or other chain uh chain pharmacists we're more than happy to coexist with chain pharmacists, um, but there's because the market is huge. There's sixty thousand pharmacists, um, so let's go ahead and build up the independent pharmacy network, make them modernize, make them safer, make them more trustworthy. Um, and if we coexist with chain pharmacists, we're more than happy to. Do you see the growth of these mom, uh, the pharmacy landscape, grow in favor of the mom and pop or the the chain pharmacies? Like which ones are growing faster, and why and why not? I mean, they're, the independent pharmacies and pharmacies in general have maxed out at around 60,000 and it's remained pretty stable at 60,000. Um, farm, chain pharmacies are growing, but they still represent a very small portion of the market. Um, I think in the long run, uh, it, it would still be independent pharmacies. Um, there's. Uh, independent pharmacies are a lot more 
um, personal to a lot of patients in a lot of neighborhoods. Independent pharmacies live in the neighborhood. They know the people in that neighborhood. Off the top of their brain, they, they, off the top of their mind, they know what your prescription is. So just before you even roll up to the window, when they see you coming on your motorbike, they know what your prescription is. They know who you are. And I think that type of personal relationship um, is non-existent within chain pharmacy. So I think independent pharmacies will continue to be very critical in the uh, industry. Fascinating. Is, is um, I mean, this might be a little bit too early to say, is the pharmacy business something for you guys as well, in a way? Are you going to go B2C or is you solely focused on the, the B2B market? Um, our, our mission is to build healthcare ecosystems. And in order to build a healthcare ecosystem, you need to include the patients. You need to include, quote unquote, B2C. Um, now, whether we do it ourselves or not, it, the question really depends on the market. And the question really depends is by the time we're ready to go B2C, is there an existing um, e-pharmacy player that is willing to work and cooperate with us that has great technology, that has uh, great positioning, that has great features uh, and really takes care of the patient? If the answer is no, then we will enter the B2C space uh, ourselves. If there's existing players out there, then we're more than happy to work with them. And then we'll just focus on something else within the healthcare ecosystem because healthcare is, as I said before, tremendously big. There's so many things to fix within healthcare. It doesn't have to be one player. There could be many players solving problems within the healthcare industry. Would you say that with the growth of income in general and more people entering the middle class in Vietnam, the demand for drugs is rising? Is that correlated? Um, it, I, I believe it is, um, but I would more put the growth in higher quality, more expensive, more branded uh, medicine um, rather than the very cheap, generic, uh, lowest cost uh, drugs available. Do you see demand? I mean, you just mentioned it yourself. When you say more expensive, do you mean that they're manufactured by the, the brand principle itself rather than being outsourced? Is that what you mean by that? Um, I mean, the, there's um, different levels of quality of medication. You can get the same ingredient, but the way it's manufactured, the it's excipients, the, um, the, the trustworthiness of the dosage, that's what primarily impacts the pricing. Um, and so if you get a very, very cheap, low-cost medicine you're getting the active ingredient but you might not be able to trust the dosage you might not be able to trust the quality of the manufacturing or the incipient so when you talk about higher quality drugs uh, and what's being demanded more by the growing middle class it's more about the brand and how you trustworthy is the manufacturing process and the dosage excellent well, Peter, that wraps up uh, the core questions that we have for you today. Very insightful. Thank you very much. There's not a lot of information about this uh, landscape out there. So we hope that today's podcast will be very valuable to our listeners today. So thank you for sharing. Um, you know, we'd like to do a little for you as well. Um, I'm sure as a rapidly growing organization, you need to be hiring quite a bit. Maybe you can share what your plans are for the company expansion, looking in inward a little bit. Um, and what is the current company look like? How many employees do you have? How many offices do you have? What's what's a little bit of the internal kind of drive and, and commitment you make internally for, for your team? 
Yeah, sure. Um, you know, our, our team is growing super fast. We're opening up um, branches in Hanoi uh, and we're opening up branches in Kentucky. Um, our team is roughly 400 people right now and we're always hiring. Um, primarily, we're hiring people for, um, for the tech, product, marketing, uh, sales. Um, anybody that has an interest within healthcare, we would love to talk to you. Uh, we're also talk. We're also hiring a lot within our fulfillment, anywhere from first mile uh, to third party logistics. Uh, working with third party logistics or last mile delivery. Uh, working in our fulfillment center, we're building one of the most modern and most innovative fulfillment centers, uh, e-commerce fulfillment centers in Vietnam. And we would love to have anybody who's interested in modernizing even fulfillment. We want to talk to you and we want to meet with you. Um, we have great employee benefits. Uh, one of our key employee benefits is ELSA. We have free ELSA um, accounts for anybody joining our team. Um, it's funny because I used to, when we first started off, I used to individually and personally teach English to our team. Uh, but now luckily we have ELSA, so um, it's great benefits and we're looking for anybody who wants to join our team. Great, well, that's a, that's a great uh, little summary on the company there, Peter, and we hope uh, that today's podcast will help shine some light uh, to all the potential stakeholders in the in the industry, especially for Tuxi and Biomed. Um, thank you very much for joining today's show, Peter. Thank, thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure learning about uh, uh, about what you guys are doing and what the future of it like uh, for the pharmaceutical industry. Um, so thank you very much. And before we finalize today's show, everyone, just want to give a quick thanks again to our sponsors. Nest Cafe. I'm enjoying a bit of their drink this morning. And of course, our sponsor is ELSA, which stands for English Language Speech Assistant. Thử mưu tượng bài đang cầm một tách cà phê ấm nóng, nhẹ nâng lên như nâng niu cả thiên nhiên hiền hòa. Hít một hơi thơm lừng cho ưu phiền tan theo dịp thở. Vietcetra's Vietnam Innovator Series is only one of many podcasts hosted by the team. We also have Have a Sip, hosted by our VP of Content, Thuy Min, as well as the Vietnamese edition of Vietnam Innovators, hosted by Vietcetra's Chief Operating Officer, Ruby Nguyen. Look out for more podcast production soon from the Vietcetra team. You can also check out the video version of this podcast on our other platforms such as YouTube and Facebook. New episodes are out every week. So don't forget to subscribe to Vietcetra's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube channel for more interesting content. Hey guys, good news. Vietcetra has now officially rolled out a mobile app for Android. Now you can download our mobile app on both the Apple iOS store and the Google Play store right now. More functions are coming very soon, so stay on the lookout.